again, everybody, and welcome to the Mainland Podcast. We are up to episode number 111, and the fact that you are hearing us here in December of 2017 means we are now two of our monthly off-season episodes of the Mainland Podcast in the books uh, with still uh, January and February to go before we get back to weekly because the season will be back upon us. I'm Michael Citro. I am the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com, and joining me as always David Rowe. Uh, Dave, how are we on this fine December evening? Uh, doing well. Uh, we're halfway through the dark, as they uh, they say this time of year. Um, and like you said, we're, we're halfway through our off-season podcast, so I think it's entirely appropriate. So we're halfway there. Would you say we are also living on a prayer? Um, it's entirely possible, uh, that we are living on a prayer. Um, uh, <laughs> I was trying to remember the next line. To <laughs> uh, Thanks. Now I got that stuck yeah, in my head. For I, I think the next, the next word is, whoa. Uh, yeah, yes. So, yes, you're correct. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's, um, so I'd like to say that a lot has happened since we last spoke because that usually is the case, but it's been a pretty quiet off season for Orlando City. Uh, mm-hmm. MLS certainly has been uh, revving just uh, you know at full throttle. Uh, we had the why don't we? I guess we, we should start with MLS Cup. What your thoughts are on that? Uh, what you saw and uh, you know what you're thinking about in terms of. Toronto FC and what they are calling at least and some people are, are calling that are not affiliated with the club the best season in MLS history your thoughts Dave you know it's it's hard to argue with that they uh I mean they had a fantastic uh season you know a league record 69 points uh during the regular season they uh they beat us twice uh not that that was necessarily any big accomplishment last year uh or last season but um and then they you know they fairly well um outplayed uh seattle to you know great effect so i i don't know that i would give them that, that alkylated, but I can't necessarily say to somebody that does that they're wrong. Um, you know, they've, they put together a, a, a good attacking squad and, and basically they just, they beat the pants off them. You know, when you look at some of the stats. Yeah, I was really surprised by that. I, I mean, I've seen, uh, I had seen Seattle play and I, I think they had, they had some ridiculous shutout streak going uh, and not only in the postseason, but I think uh, Stephen Fry had um, shutouts in like something ridiculous, like eight of the previous nine games or something like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, he he'd been playing spectacularly. But Toronto looked like they were going to score about a hundred goals in that game. Um, mm-hmm. Just all over them. I kind of chuckled before the game. There was a lot of consternation at the shape Toronto FC was supposedly lining up in, and. You know, when the lineups came out, and everybody's like, oh, they're in a 4-4-2. Oh, my goodness, it's a 4-4-2 diamond. How are they going to do this? And I was like, it kind of, as much as they were all over Seattle, it really tickled me because that is, of course, what Orlando City runs and Mm -hmm. what a lot of fans have criticized Jason Christ for uh, over the uh, the course of the year. Now, I I personally have no problem with the 4-4-2 diamond. I do think that there are times when, 
uh, Jason Christ does change things up, and people probably don't notice it. Um, yes. He, he has certainly used a flat 4-4-2. People have seen that. He's used a 4-2-3-1 at times. Not probably as often as I would like him to, because I think that's a really good shape. Uh, but I would also like to see him do what, what Greg Vanny has done and really embrace that that three-man back line at times and, and push those fullbacks up the pitch and and uh, sort of just overwhelm the opponent in the midfield. I, I think Toronto did a good job with that. The, the thing is about it, though, is Toronto is such a good team and has so much talent yeah. at all positions. I mean, this is a team that did not protect Drew Moore in the expansion draft, Clint Irwin, um, uh, Raheem Edwards, who they right. ended up losing. I mean, tons of talent on that Toronto team. And, and uh, you know, they were bad for a lot of years. So take heart, Orlando City fans, because uh, if you're bad for a lot of years, uh, a lot of times it turns around spectacularly. Uh, in terms of the greatest season ever, I, I think there's certainly some merit to saying that. I mean, uh you know, what they had 69 points. 69 points. Yeah. Nice. Uh, league record. Yeah. Nice. 69 points. Nice. Um, yeah. I, I think I beat that to death. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it's my fault for not doing a beef. It's laugh. <laughs> but I think, um, yeah, the trouble is really cool. Uh, I'm not really hugely impressed with the Canadian cup, the Voyagers cup there. The, um, essentially <laughs> Toronto should win that because, Right. Um, Montreal was not a good team this year. And, um, you know, so really it was just down to Toronto, Vancouver and uh, Toronto, clearly a better team than Vancouver as the East has shown this year to be better than the West in MLS. And it was, it was interesting. I kind of thought that Josie was offside on the, uh, on the goal, the first goal. And uh, the first goal was always going to be of extreme importance because mm-hmm. I think if Seattle gets it, they kind of bunker and, and put a lot of pressure on a Toronto team that was already so far inside their own heads about not being able to score on, on Seattle. Um, but, uh, you know, Toronto was able to get that. I think the, the you know, the site, the, the, the soccer site that does all the calculations uh, based on various pictures uh, said they, you know, they thought he was about a foot, foot and a half offside, uh, just the lean of his shoulder. I'm not going to complain too much about that because I always think that, Way too many good goals get waved off because somebody had, you know, an elbow offside or something like that. Right. I, I never liked that. I'm like, ease up on that a little bit. If It would be nice if, the, if it was something that, you know, we had enough technology or good enough eyesight that you could say, you need to have two feet offside. Both of your feet need to be offside for you to be offside. Something like that, I right. think, would be fair. I was thinking of it more like, you know, a catch in, in professional football where, you know, your body can be all out of, out of balance as long as you get both toes down. <laughs> yeah, get you, you got your two feet have to be onside. That's it. Um, so anyway, uh, congratulations to uh, Toronto FC um, and, uh, you know, another blow to soccer in the United States this year. <laughs> and, uh, Jeez. Yeah, so uh, we move on. Now the season is officially over and we have... A new member club in MLS, uh, LAFC, Los Angeles Football Club. Very um, unusual and unique name in the league, uh, <laughs> you know, because they they threw an FC on the end of their city's name. Yeah. Um, but 
they have some players now, and uh, they've started to put together a roster, and things look pretty good for them, and I'm not ready to anoint them with the next MLS Cup like I've seen some people doing. I think we have a tendency to, you know, overestimate these uh, these expansion teams and what they're able to do, and even if they look sure. like they're putting everything together, I, I don't think... I don't think uh, anybody was surprised that Atlanta had a pretty good team, but Atlanta didn't win the cup. I mean, <laughs> no, they and, did not. And I don't know if, uh, if if Atlanta didn't with their lineup, I don't know that anybody is. So, uh, I mean, they were just making fools of teams. Four nothing, five nothing wins there for a while. Um, and really, honestly, they just ran into a really good defensive club in Columbus and a hot mm-hmm. goalkeeper. And that's really the only reason that they didn't uh, get to advance to play Toronto instead of Columbus. Um, Speaking of which, well done, Columbus. Yeah, uh, good job by Columbus, and I, I'm 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 pleased that they had a good run. Uh, they really ran out of offense at the wrong time. Uh, not that Toronto didn't play well against them, but I I thought that um, Justin Miram played particularly badly. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought Federico Higuain played poorly in the in the two legs, and you, yes, you can put some of that on Toronto's defense, but really, they just a lot of times looked really good until they got near the top of the box, and then it was like they never played together before. I mean, they were sending passes in that were just confusing and befuddling their teammates, and just didn't look good. And of course, in that second game between Columbus and Toronto, uh, Justin Miram really had a great chance to put his team ahead and and you know, muffed it and, uh, and they ended yeah. up losing. So uh, really good chance there because no, they didn't give up a, a road goal. So if they would have got the road goal, uh, Toronto would have needed two goals to beat them. And uh, as it turned out, they didn't get to. So no, um, it really could have been a good run for, for the save the crew mo- uh, movement too. So that would have been nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't get that, but uh, as mentioned, LAFC, uh, they got their expansion draft together. Uh, Orlando city, Dave didn't had any have anybody selected. We're we're not necessarily um, feeling great about that because it means nobody wants our players. They didn't, right. But we are feeling good about the fact that a, a curious decision to leave Pierre da Silva unprotected and he did not get selected. Dave, what are your thoughts on that? Um, thank goodness because yeah, it was uh, as you mentioned, we were all a little bit surprised that he he wasn't protected. Uh, it was one of the players that most of us thought would be, and then you know we're all sitting there in the internal chat uh, waiting for each pick. And, and uh, view, uh, listeners won't know, but Michael's counting down every time a pick is made. He's like, Pierre de Silva not picked. Number two, Pierre de Silva not picked, and so. Uh, it was uh, I was at work, so it was nice getting those uh, those little updates as I was waiting with bated breath to make sure we didn't lose the man. Yeah, we survived. I, I kind of thought that the team should have probably said, uh, maybe left somebody unprotected that was a little older, cost a lot of money, uh, because <laughs> you know some maybe like a Will Johnson probably. Yeah. Even though he's a player that could help them, um, I don't think he's a player that's irreplaceable on this team, and I think he's. You know, he's a guy that they might think twice because of his salary. Then also, um, Carlos Rivas takes up an international slot and has a big salary. Um, and that would have freed up a DP slot if uh, they had taken him. So I think there were some opportunities to leave those guys unprotected. I don't think at this stage of his career you're going to get a whole lot of trade value from a Will Johnson. So it's not like he was an asset. 
you know, you only protect them because you want them on your team next year, basically. Right. Um, unless you have a trade lined up. And uh, with Rivas, I, I, you know, I am I was for the longest time a Carlos Rivas apologist, um, and I have completely flipped the script. Much like I was a, a Walking Dead apologist, and now I can't really defend that show at all. Um, but uh, I know that I know that about you, but it's got, it's gotten really bad. Uh, but yeah, Carlos, I would I, as much as I like him and I I want him to succeed, I would personally drive him to the airport. Uh, if we were getting rid of him, because I just don't want to see another launched free kick 30 yards over the bar. I don't want to see a shot over the Heineken sign on a, uh, you know, potential like three on three break. Um, I, I just don't want to see it. I, he's not progressed. He's not developed. He's uh, he's doing all of the bad things that he did his first year and really not enough of the good things. So. Well, you know, he's because of all that, he's he's been on the bench, you know, a bit of a super sub, but not even all that super. Um, it was, it's a lot of money for a guy that's going to be on the bench. Um, and, and you're right about the, you know, we joke about the Heineken sign. As a matter of fact, it's happened so many times that it has become a joke. Yeah. Um, it, I, it was in my article that was published today was one of the jokes was about Carlos hitting the Heineken sign. So, um, yeah, it's I, I'm completely in agreement with you that I was kind of hoping that they would leave him out there and maybe let somebody see if uh, LAFC went to grab him but maybe it's because they do have a trade lineup we can only hope yeah if they can sell him for anything they really probably need to do it I I I talked to Adrian Heath about him um, way back in 2014 it wasn't even 2015 yet and Adrian said that he, they signed him to a five-year deal. They thought maybe around year three he would really start to, to break out. And, you know, he, he started the year as a starter. And yeah. he thought that maybe that could happen. But then he, he just got to, you know, he did some good things early in the season. But then he went into a funk and he just never really did break all the way out of it. So um, it, it was a tough year to, to watch uh, Carlos and clearly. Uh, Jason Christ didn't love what he saw and had to yeah. go out and find a striker. And we're still uh, we're still looking now. Um, so nobody was taken uh, from Orlando City in the expansion draft. The um, expansion draft went pretty decently, I think, for LAFC. But the big thing was uh, the drafting of uh, Raheem Edwards and uh, uh, turning uh, him around. Uh, Forgive me. The other one uh, that they that t- turned around with him, uh, they sent both of them to uh, uh, Ritala. Yeah, Yuka Ritala from the Columbus Crew, who I thought was probably a pretty good pick for them, uh, but he uh, he ended up bringing back Lawrence Simon uh, mm-hmm. from Montreal, and Lawrence Simon was uh, quite surprised to find out he'd been traded <laughs> since he was told that he was going to spend his whole MLS career in Montreal, uh, where there's a, a specialist that works with his, uh, his child. And, um, he wasn't seemingly happy about the trade, but then he seemed to maybe embrace it because he and he and Walker Zimmerman, uh, who they also traded for, uh, with FC Dallas are going to make a pretty decent center back pairing, or at least they should. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you never know how it's going to work out. It looks good on paper. Um, but, uh, We'll see how it works in practice. Uh, Simon was a guy that I think Montreal was ready to move on from because he was very inconsistent last season, Dave. He had some good games and some really, really bad games. I didn't think he was particularly good in the the uh, the 3-3 draw against Orlando City. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but he has played very, very well against Orlando City in the past in some games. So uh, certainly a talented guy, uh, but he definitely had an up and down year for Montreal. And, you know, when he's one of your rocks, you can't really have him being inconsistent. And Montreal's going to get a makeover as well with, you know, changing coaches and everything. So, uh, well, and, you know, I, I, when it comes to his kid, I mean, it's not like he's going to, you know, podunk middle of the nowhere. I mean, it's L.A. I'm certain that they've got the all the medical and doctor things that he's going to need now if that kid needs plastic surgery he's covered dave well he's definitely covered on the plastic surgery thing um i i believe that um uh his son is is autistic and and it probably as much as anything just knowing that having to make that change um can be tough on an autistic child yes um and readjusting so i imagine that's probably was the first thing that went through his head and why he was disappointed but um you know uh it is what it is and I'm, I'm sure that you know he and the family will uh make the best of it when they get there yeah now uh we, they lafc had already signed carlos vela to a dp contract they've gone y- the young dp route with uh, diego rossi uh mm-hmm. lafc we're gonna have to have i think maybe next month we'll have uh, somebody on to talk about lafc a little bit as we get a little more of their roster built, but it looks like they're putting together a pretty good, uh, a pretty good roster. But again, I, I go back to New York city and Orlando in uh, 2015. And a lot of people thought both of those teams would make the playoffs and neither one right. did. So you really don't know how it's going to all come together. Bob Bradley's uh, a decent coach, I think, and uh, we'll see what he can do in getting this squad put together. There's also a rumor that LAFC was talking to the Red Bulls about Sasha Kleshton. Um, it's possible that Sasha Kleshton goes there, but there's rumors that he's, you know, got some, some other suitors, as you would expect. Somebody of, of sure. Kleshton's uh, ability, especially at this, in, at this level, he's proven what he could do in MLS. And I, I kind of scratched my head that the Red Bulls would want to get rid of him. Uh, they, they got rid of Dax and they seemingly took a step back and now they're going to get rid of question. I, I would not be surprised if they took another step back depending on what they do with the money they saved on him. Sure. So, and it's, it's kind of the way it is in silly season. It's like, you could say what's a good move, what's a bad move, but you really don't know, uh, sometimes until years down the line, whether or not a, a move was good. Yeah, of course. And, it, you know, you, you spoke about, um, you know, maybe we have somebody on next time to talk about LAFC. Well, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that we're going to have enough to talk about with Orlando City. Yeah. Uh, you know, some roster moves. <laughs> yes, exactly. The I, I think we should probably dive into that now. And it's that is that uh, Orlando City fans, of course, not a notoriously patient lot. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the fact of the matter is that this team doesn't work incredibly quickly in the off season and and what they do isn't terribly visible they are right. very close to the vest they you know they work and they operate in the shadows they're not le- leaking stuff out so you're not seeing a lot of stuff um some minor rumors jonathan uh maidana a, a center back is uh, is a rumored player from river plate he's a 32 year old center back he would probably make a pretty good uh, teammate or, or a, a central defense partner for Jonathan Spector. Uh, more on him later. Um, but, you know, I don't know that that's a, tr- uh, you know, I don't know how true that rumor is. It, it, it's, it could be, it's got some plausibility. River Plate is a team that Orlando City has seen. They had a closed door 
uh, scrimmage against them, you know, mm-hmm. late in the season. So I, I don't think it's necessarily a thing that, you know, where it's out of all possibilities. I've heard some other names that I can't really discuss because um, it's off the record and <laughs> it's not uh, it's not something that I can talk about. I'm just bringing it up because, hey, I like to tease people. Um, <laughs> but I, I will be interested to see if, if the names that I have heard come to pass. Now, um, you know, we haven't seen anything yet, but typically, Dave, Orlando City likes to announce one or two signings right before Christmas. So here we are, you know, 10 days out when this drops. And uh, so it's probably going to be in the next week that we do hear something. And I know everybody's pointing to the big Darlington Nagby trade and, and, you know, and and moaning and pissing that they just, uh, you know, the team's sitting on their hands. But I can assure you there's stuff in the works there's stuff in the pipeline and some of the things that they're working on is probably going to depend on what they are able to get accomplished with their top choices. If they get everything done that are their top choices, then they can move on to the next option. Cause here's, here's the thing, Dave, if your target is let's say a striker and you're talking to two, you know, you're, you're usually going to talk to a guy and you've got a couple other guys you're talking to if that one doesn't work out, but if that doesn't work out, you know, you still have to go to the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. And that, mm-hmm. if that's your top priority, you're not really talking about, the, the winger that you need yet or the defensive midfielder that you need yet. You're, you're kind of trying to right. prioritize that. You're trying to, it's a lot like juggling. You're keeping a lot of balls in the air. So once that first domino falls, those other ones should fall a little bit more quickly. But I expect maybe one or two guys get announced before Christmas or just after. And then we'll probably get a flurry of guys uh, in that window between around Florida Cup mid-January mm-hmm. and the start of the season. And somebody's going to be coming from overseas and is going to miss the beginning of the season while they wait for their paperwork because it happens every year. And it'll be somebody that we have no idea about it because <laughs> yeah. it's always somebody we don't have any idea about. Yeah. Um, that Jason Christ knows who this guy is and likes him, but he hasn't shared that with anybody. And let's face <laughs> it, Christ has a good poker face. Yeah, so... Um, you know, the, the cool thing is, uh, is that we have a lot of moves ahead of us because so many of the former players were not picked up. Their options weren't picked up. So they, you know, by nature, we need to we need to move on and replace them. Dave, this week we went through the waiver draft and nobody picked anybody up. Uh, at least not, no Orlando City players were chosen and uh, Orlando City didn't choose anybody. So it didn't affect us in any way. Just two players. Uh, picked up, including actually a former USL Lion uh, goalkeeper, John Kempen from the LA Galaxy, was picked up uh, by the crew, I believe, as a backup. So, uh, so former Lion there. If you guys, for you guys who have been around the club since 2011, um, Kempen played. I think in 2013 he played like about nine games. So, um, yeah, not not a uh, not a large. Um, patch on the tapestry that is Orlando City soccer club history, but he still played here. Well, and the waiver draft is uh, <laughs> it was a banner year for the waiver draft with two uh, two guys getting moved. I mean, usually it's anywhere from, I mean, it's zero to two, and so you're on the high end right. of the two waiver is a draft lot. this year. Two's a lot. Yeah, no one last year, I think, if I recall correctly. So um, so the waiver drafts come and gone. Uh, when this, the day that this drops, there'll be uh, re-entry draft stage one. Another one of those where you probably aren't going to see more than one or two people picked. And then stage two is next week. Um, but really the movement is going to all be in trades and signings. 
mm-hmm. with the uh, with the opening of the window. So uh, we've seen some pretty big ones. Um, Dave, let's talk about Atlanta for a second here. The the Nagby trade to me is is something that everybody's like, oh my god, they're gonna win the whole thing. Um, let's let's back off of that a little bit. Yes, Atlanta's gonna be good again this year, sure. but. Uh, Say you're Portland, and you know, and Nagby's uh, giving you some contract demands. You know you're not going to want to meet because um, you want to keep as much of your team intact as you can. First thing you want to do is you want to get him out of the Western Conference, right? Right. Next thing you want to do is you want to find a team with some deep pockets and uh, that is maybe losing a midfielder or two, like maybe mm-hmm. a Yamil Assad and maybe a Miguel Almiron. So it's not like this isn't a very logical move um, on Portland's part to get rid of uh, Nagby from their conference. And on Atlanta's part, they're replacing uh, Yamil Assad. And, of course, Almiron will probably, if he doesn't go in the winter, uh, he'll probably go in the summer to a European club. The guy's got just too much talent to stay in MLS. I'm sorry. He just does. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, the thing that I still – that still just boggles my mind about Atlanta and they're, you know, they're all, they're rumored to get this guy and they're this guy and this guy's imminent. And I'm thinking that's because MLS is a big fat opaque cheating league and they want Atlanta to do well because there's not possible for all these players to just be on their discovery list and no one else's. I'm sorry, but it's just not. So I have no proof that there's cheating going on. But common sense tells me that somebody has seen these players before and would like them. And it would, ha- you know, because these teams have been around longer than Atlanta, you would think that they would it would be on somebody's list. So and yet, for some reason, it's not. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Tom um, Garber. <laughs> yeah, I'm not real happy with Garbs. He did his state of the league uh, speech and talked about how great Cincinnati fans are. And then he basically bashed the crew. Basically bashed bashed the crew for not supporting the club, and um, I, I don't. He said a lot of things. He angered the the uh, American Outlaws mm-hmm. by basically insinuating that Sunil Gulati grew that supporters group into what it is today, and you know I think a lot of people in the Outlaws did a lot of work to make that happen. I don't without Sunil Gulati's help. So, um, you know I I, I think that that Garber's. Uh, he came off. It was just a strange speech, Dave. It was, um, he, you know, for the first time we heard, uh, yeah, oh, the Beckham thing. It's not going to happen unless he can get local ownership. Was, what? You said he yeah. needed money. You said he needed a stadium. He went out and got a money man. He got a he got a stadium uh, location. And now, and now he needs local ownership. It's like you keep kicking the you know kicking the can, man. You keep moving the goalposts. Well, so, and, and <laughs> for somebody who actually helped you know, bring up the visibility of, of MLS when he came over here. I mean, you know, uh, there were others, but, you know, Beckham did do that. And not only that, but when he got here, you know, he, he played pretty well for a little while. So, you know, I'm not a huge Becks fan or nothing like that, but, I mean, facts are the facts. Right. And, and you know, he did raise the profile of the league, and he got other players that ordinarily would not have come over here to come over here. Yeah. By by coming over and being able to, you know, compete and then to get that word of mouth back to Europe that, hey, there's a lot of talent in this league and there's mm-hmm. it's not as easy as you think. And and so, you know, it, it, it does change the perception every time you get a player like that to come over here. Now, you don't want them to be, you know, 
38 years old, but you know, <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, that's just the way it goes sometimes. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, this, this, uh, we're rolling right along here in episode 111 of the podcast. I do want to give a, a quick little moment to say congratulations to the Stanford Cardinal. Um, just a tremendous final in the, uh, women's college cup that took place right here in Orlando city, uh, stadium. And, uh, I was there to cover both the semifinal matches and the finals. And I was very impressed with the level of play by Stanford. I was very impressed by the level of play, uh, by UCLA for that matter. And, and even the losing teams, South Carolina and, um, and Duke were, were very good teams as well. And it was fun to watch those games. And it was really, uh, interesting to be a part of that and to, to speak with somebody like, um, you know, Andy Sullivan from the U.S. Women's National Team. She's she's right on the cusp of breaking through there, and she had a really good tournament. Um, just a, a really good time and a, a pretty good turnout. Uh, I forget what the final had, but there was there was a pretty good crowd on uh, on uh, semifinal day on on the Friday. It was uh, or on the Thursday. It was a pretty big day, and uh, a lot of people were there. And oh no, it was a Friday. It was Friday su- Friday Sunday, and it was a really hard thing to turn around and and um, and play again that quickly. And I thought UCLA is a really high pressing team and Stanford's a team that just kind of keeps the ball away from you. Mm-hmm. And I really thought that, Stan- that UCLA was going to struggle and they fell behind by two goals. And I thought, man, well, this can, this is, this game's over. I think we we're all, everybody in the press box was saying this game's over They're They're aghast. They have nothing in the tank. They can't really press. They're, they don't, can't possess the ball. Next thing you know, it's two, two. And, uh, and really the, the winning goal was such an, unbelievable strike so uh hats off to both ucla and stanford and all of the teams that put together a great show here at Orlando city stadium and uh, more events like this will be held here and rightfully so it was it was a really great event and everybody you know i asked all of the coaches about the the stadium and the facilities and they all raved about the stadium so uh good time was had by all congrats to stanford absolutely go cardinal (laughs) All right. Uh, well, I think what we'll do now, we'll bring in our uh, our guest interview, and then uh, you and I can uh, get down to the nitty-gritty of the Ask the Mainland podcast uh, questions, and then we can wrap up this December edition, since we don't have that much to talk about. I imagine we'll be punished for it next month and do a two-hour show. Because, <laughs> of course, we will. Yeah, because once we have some uh, some players to talk about, that's uh, it's, it's going to be pretty big um although i do want to mention uh, a couple of signings by anthony pulis who is now at st louis fc uh cory herzog former orlando city lion in the usl and austin martz who was with ocb last year mm-hmm. uh both going over to uh play for coach anthony pulis so uh he's getting the band back together no doubt and and <laughs> you know Congrats to Austin, you know, uh, for getting out there. And, of course, you know, congrats to Ant on, uh, you know, getting the job. So, uh, you know, we wish him well. Yep. All right, let's get to that interview. We'll do that right after this. All right, joining us on the Mainland Podcast is Orlando City defender Jonathan Spector. Jonathan, thanks so much for being with us on the podcast. I appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, I wanted to sort of uh, pick your brain on your first season with Orlando City, uh, playing 
you know, in MLS and, um, you know, what you thought of your first year, the, the level of play, playing for Jason Christ, just kind of give me an overview. Uh, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people ask me if it came, it's a, it's a struggle adjusting um, to, I guess, playing in the U.S. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't for me. Uh, and, and I say that because even though, I, you know, my whole career was in Europe, I spent 14 years in England. Um, I, you know, I had friends in the league, uh, grew up watching it um, and, and always followed it. So for me, it wasn't. Uh, there weren't any big surprises or shocks or anything like that. So, you know, I followed the league pretty much from its inception, uh, you know, as a kid growing up. So, uh, you know, there, there were no real surprises for me. So it made that transition a little bit easier uh, than I think it, it could have been for someone who may be, um, you know, a, a player from Europe who comes over and, and has never really watched the league or experienced it in any kind of way, shape, or form. So, um, you know, uh, so, so that, uh, with that being said, um, you know, I think we, we had a great start to the season. Uh, you know, Jason did a good job preparing, uh, the team for the season. Um, there were just, uh, we had, um, you know, some difficulty kind of midway through the season, which is, uh, um, pretty well documented, I suppose. Um, <laughs> so it was disappointing how it, uh, the, the season kind of faltered and, and we kind of plateaued a little bit. Um, so I think there were definitely some lessons learned, um, uh, certainly from the players' point of view. And I'm, you know, I won't speak for the staff. I'm sure they kind of echo that sentiment, but I, I wouldn't uh, want to speak for them. But certainly from the, the players' standpoint. Um, and that's something we want to rectify uh, for next season because we're in such a great position and, and we really let um, you know the playoffs kind of slip through our fingers. So that was disappointing uh, you know, in my first season. Uh, but overall, you know, I, was, I was happy with, you know, how it went, even with that kind of significant disappointment. <laughs> well, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, that, that stumbling uh, and everybody taking the lessons from it. Uh, was there anything in particular that uh, that you took from it that, um, you know, either you, you want to do better, whether it's, you know, you personally or, you know, the back line or team as a whole? Yes, I think it's, a, it's kind of a mentality thing, um, you know, in terms of, we had a really uh, difficult schedule, and I don't want to use that as an excuse because every team at some point has a difficult traveling schedule. Um, and and that's, that's one of the big challenges that the league presents that you don't get in, uh, in Europe for the most part. Obviously, yes, there's Champions League games, but it's also um, very different for those teams when they're traveling on private chartered jets all the time. And, um, you know, even those flights, some of those aren't, aren't that long. Uh, so I think there was some difficulty with that. And, and as I said, it, it was more a mentality thing in terms of, I think how we approached it. Um, also, uh, it, it, more than anything else, being able to close out games, whether it was from a winning position, um, and drawing or from a position where we're, where we're tied and, and we end up losing the game. Um, so for me, that's the mentality aspect that I'm kind of speaking of, uh, in terms of how to finish games, how to close them out, um, and ensure we're able to do that as a team. Um, and it's not just, you know, the, the defensive group from, you know, not being able to, to keep the, the, the opposition from scoring, you know, it's also, um, from up front in terms of taking the chances that we create and when you don't, um, you know, you get punished in the end. So, um, so that's definitely from a whole team, uh, aspect. Jonathan, the, 
the turning point seemed to be when you guys went up to Toronto, which uh, ended up winning the whole thing this year. And largely in that game, you guys outplayed Toronto on their home field. But uh, as you mentioned, not taking your chances, Kyle Lahren uncharacteristically misses a couple sitters uh, that could have turned the game around. And uh, and, and that was a, a tough loss. Uh, on the road, and then, you know, of course, uh, going to Houston, and, and, and that game just kind of got away pretty early, and, and then it kind of was really hard to get that any kind of momentum back after that point. Is that something that you guys felt, or, uh, you know, was it some kind of a, you know, was it something that, that you you just kind of struggled to try to find back and never could quite find again, or, you know, how, how do you characterize that? Yeah, so I think, you know, uh, in hindsight, yes, you can look back and say that was a, a turning point. Uh, but as it happens, as a player, you don't consider that as a turning point, you know. Um, you're trying to take each game as it comes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we just got into a bit of a downward spiral. And, and just like you have positive momentum, you end up, you know, garnering negative momentum. Uh, and that can build. Um, and, and that's something... I think we allowed to happen uh, as a team. I think there's certain things you can do to to, to try and change that. Um, and, you know, it's funny, I was asked, as this was all happening you know, during the season, um, you know, what can be a, a turning point? And, and there's no one turning point. You know, if it was that simple, um, what's it take to turn it around? I think, <laughs> you know, teams wouldn't go through these, uh, these cycles. Um, I mean, it can be anything. It can be... One of your goal scorers who um, you know has lost this form, finally scoring, and then goes on a hot streak. It can be you know uh, a number of clean sheets, whether it's Joe coming up with some some big saves, um, and and something as um, kind of innocuous or as, as stupid as a referee making a bad decision, giving you a penalty you didn't deserve, you go on and win the game, uh, one nothing up. You know, there's so many ways that it gets turned around. Um, so I think what the, just the biggest thing is is continuing to have the belief in in um, yourself, in your teammates, and in the system that uh, the manager has uh, has set out. So wait, you're telling me that, that there are teams out there that actually get penalties? <laughs> yeah, we... we <laughs> you like to say on the balance of things that evens out in the end, but perhaps this season for us it didn't, so maybe next season will be in our favor, I'm, I'm hoping. I, I like the uh, the positive outlook on that because uh, it, was, it was it was a joke that was ongoing with uh, us here on the podcast. But um, well, speaking of uh, uh, you know Joe and and the, and the back line, I mean, obviously you know you had Mister Consistency behind you, but um, it was uh, uh, there was quite a bit of, of upheaval upheaval and and moving around um, uh, on that back line. Um, where, what do you think um, is the area where you know, or who are the the players that that can get together to kind of shore it up to have it like it was that first um, seven matches of the year last season? Yeah, you know, I think we have some of the right pieces. Um, I think what's important is is having a, a solid spine to your team. You know, right through the middle of of the field and. And, and teams that have that are, are generally pretty successful. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not my job to, to go out and, and pick players and, uh, and, and do that sort of stuff. You know, that's up to uh, the GM and, and the management. So, you know, I'll, I'm going to stay away from that side of it. 
Uh, but certainly once, you know, the, the players are in, uh, and obviously there's, there's no secret, we had some young, um, relatively inexperienced players that I think gained some important experience this season and, and probably learned some valuable lessons. And hopefully we'll take that into to next season. And um, it's, it's a learning process. You know, I'm, I'll be uh, 32 at the start of next season, and um, I don't claim to, to know it all at this point either. Uh, I think the moment you stop trying to learn, stop trying to improve is when you kind of start going backwards. Uh, so um, even, even for me, I'm continuing to to try and, uh, you know, improve and, and learn things each and every season. So, uh, you know, I think it's just about, uh, as you said, having, uh, you know, we have a very good goalkeeper in the back, and that's a great, um, great asset to have in Joe. And, and, and you know, in front of him, we need the, the protection um, uh, so that uh, we're not conceding uh, as many goals as we did because that was, uh, I'd say, probably wasn't good enough uh, this past season. Yeah, Jonathan, you mentioned the young players uh, that you that you played with, and you know what was it like to play with with? It seemed like every you'd get a few games with Leo, a few games with Tommy, a few games with Jose. What was it like to be in a, sort of a rotation where you were playing with different guys, and and also how did those guys respond to your your mentoring as as the veteran in the central defense pairing? Sure. It's, I mean, it's difficult, right? Um, you know, once the season starts uh, and you have that many games, it's 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 difficult because you've got one game coming right after the next. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's not ideal um, when you don't have a settled back line for whatever reason. It might be it might be injuries, uh, players losing form, uh, whatever it may be. It's it, it's hard um, on the team. So. Uh, you know, hopefully we can have a more consistent um, back four next season. Um, I think that'll be a, a big key for us um, in terms of, of being successful. But uh, but certainly when you've got uh, younger players, there's um, <laughs> lessons learned and, and you can uh, e- easily um, uh, be exposed. I think they all showed... Um, great character, you know, because even if they might have been dropped or if a mistake was made, you know, the next opportunity they had, they, you know, they, they tried to make the most of it. So um, it, it's hard, particularly as a young central defender, um, because it's a, it's a position where you can very quickly get exposed. And I think in this league in particular, um, because, you know, where's all the money spent? It's, it's spent on, you know, good attacking players, right? Mm-hmm. Good yeah. strikers. So, um, it, it's a big challenge, and it's uh, but it, but it's a challenge I think um, a lot of the guys look forward to each week. Um, switching gears slightly, um, uh, obviously uh, you know full year uh, playing for uh, Jason Kreiss. Um What are your thoughts on on him? How he coaches, manages? You know your relationship with him. Yeah, I, I like Jason. You know, from the moment that I had the opportunity to meet him, uh, he flew out to England, and you know, I got a chance to, to talk to him before I before I signed, and um, got a good impression uh, from him. And um, you know, liked all the ideas he had, and he, he tried to implement that throughout the season. Um, so I'm looking forward to uh, this upcoming season with him. I know, you know, we, we've got a lot of turnover in terms of players, but. Um, I, I think you can look at that two ways. First, uh, you know, it's difficult having to try and um, integrate players quickly into a team and into a new system that they might not uh, be used to. 
but also it's it's an opportunity for for Jason to get the players in that he thinks will suit the way he wants to play and and they're his type of players and it, it, I think it's a better indication of what his team um, should look like. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to this um, this upcoming season and and um, I think uh, I think we'll have um, a lot of success uh, under Jason given. Um, uh, the right opportunities. Jonathan, you're, you're in a unique position to comment on this. The the United States obviously did not make the World Cup. Uh, you 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 know you've been in that pool of players for the U.S. men's national team, so you I'm sure you have a perspective. What do you think um, is is really necessary for the federation at this point to to take that next step and to make sure that this kind of thing doesn't happen again. How much time do you guys have? <laughs> we got all the time you want. <laughs> um, look, I think it's um, it, it's a cultural thing in terms of uh, let's look at the U.S. As a, as a sporting nation as a whole. We're used to success and and success very quickly, uh, results very quickly, and and we have to realize we're we're a young soccer nation. Um, we don't have all the answers. Uh, we're, we're far from where we want to be and where we need to be, uh, you know. So I think things get hyped very quickly here uh, when the team is, is doing well, um, no matter what the competition it might be against. Um, and, and I think we have to take a step back. And I think, um, you know, not qualifying for this World Cup is the wake-up call that we needed. Uh, certainly, I think the developmental side um, needs to be revamped. Um, in terms of what the model is. I'm, I'm not sure that the European model is necessarily the right one for us just based on the sheer size and difficulty of scouting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but, but I certainly think the youth system needs to be uh, revamped from, from the way it is. Um, and I think also just uh, for, for the people involved, uh, I think we have to, I guess, take stock of where we're really at. You know, we're, I think we're overly confident um, of where we are as a country, and I think we need to realize we've we've still got a long way to go. And I think having the right perspective on that um, will will help bring along uh, the necessary changes that need to be made. Do you have a favorite for president? Um, I, I can't comment. Actually, I'm, I'm part of the U.S. Soccer Athlete Council, um, so I actually have a vote on who the next president is. Okay. Uh, You're not going to tell us, huh? Let's <laughs> well, no, see, that no, actually answers. Has a, has a 20% uh, stake in that vote, so at this point I don't want to comment on, on that. Well, let's see, funny enough, that answers uh, the, the question I was going to ask was, are you running for uh, the president? Uh, <laughs> I'm personally not. Um, no, okay. I've, got, I've got a full-time job at the moment. So, oh, that's true, uh, that's true. <laughs> well, speaking of that full-time job, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, had that knee injury, uh, you know, during the season last year. And um, I just wanted to you know, get your your thoughts on that, um, how it was coming back, how close to 100 percent you were, you know, once you returned there at the end of the year. Um, you know, your thoughts on all that. Sure. I, yeah, it, it kind of came at a bad time um, for us as a, as a team in terms of uh, really needing to, to try and get some results, uh, which we were unable to do. Um, so it was difficult for me to watch from the sidelines, not being able to, um, to, to play in those games. Uh, but I mean, now my knee feels, feels great. You know, there's no kind of 
after effects from it. But um, certainly, um, I think uh, trying to come back as, as quickly as possible. And, um, you know, you can't speed up the healing process all that much. You know, there's a lot of things that can be done, but uh, there's no real secret to it. You know, eventually the, the body just kind of needs to heal. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately it took a little bit longer than I had hoped and had wanted. Uh, but, you know, I missed a, a good chunk of the season and it's always difficult coming back in the middle of the season in a stretch when, um, you know, results for every team were, were so important. Um, so, uh, there was just some, some frustration, uh, from that, um, side of things and, and from my point of view and obviously missing those games was a, was a big blow for me. Uh, and, um, you know, but that, but that's part of part of soccer and part of uh, as well having um, you know uh, strength and, and depth within a team. Well, Jonathan, before we let you go, uh, just a couple quick questions. First of all, what um, what was it like uh, emotionally to be a part of Kaká's final game in Orlando? Yeah, it's, I mean, he's such a, a special player. Um, and everyone knows who he is. So uh, to, to to be able to play with him um, just this season was, was was pretty special for me. You know, I've had the opportunity to play with some some great players, um, but never uh, well, never a, a former world player that played with Ronaldo. Um, but the, that was before he became world player of the year. <laughs> um, so to, to play with someone who had you know achieved everything uh, within the game and uh, you know. The, not many um, individuals have that honor, uh, which it was for me. So um, it, it was sad to, you know, see someone, um, you know, make their curtain call, uh, someone s- such a special talent um, because he was in his time absolutely, you know, amazing uh, to watch. So um, it was, it was kind of sad on, on one end, but then, um, you know, I was, I was fortunate and grateful that I had the opportunity to, uh, to play on the same pitch as him. All right. And finally, and remember, no spoilers. Have you seen Star Wars yet? I haven't. No, I have not. Uh, <laughs> I actually have seen all of the films apart from the new one. <laughs> well, you got any big plans for the weekend to go see it? Uh, no, you know, I've got um, a, a two-year-old and a, a one-month-old at home, so there, there's no plans for <laughs> anything other than trying to keep them from <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got an entirely different type of wars going on and yeah. has nothing to do with the stars yeah i i hear exactly. you exactly <laughs> and congratulations <laughs> on the on the two youngsters uh jonathan the uh thank you you're not going to get to see a movie for a long time <laughs> <laughs> no no even, even when it comes time they're inside and i'm ready to turn one on i fall asleep after 10 minutes so i will not be watching a movie in its entirety anytime soon <laughs> All right, Jonathan Spector, Orlando City center back. Thanks so much for being with us on the podcast, and best of luck to you in the upcoming 2018 MLS season. Thanks, guys. Pleasure talking to you. All right. Well, Dave, we are uh, about ready to uh, head into stoppage time here on the Mainland Podcast, episode 111. I want to thank Jonathan Spector for stopping by and also uh, the May, the uh, Orlando City communications staff, uh, Rafa Cabrera and Jackie Ramos, for setting that up. Uh, thanks to you guys, and uh, it's always good to uh, talk to somebody who's been around like Specs has. 
Dave, uh, we got some Ask the Mainland podcast questions. You can do this in two ways. You can either hit us up on Twitter. We are at the mainland and use the hashtag AskTMLPC, uh, which stands for the mainland podcast. Or uh, you can email us. Uh, we are at uh, the mainland at gmail.com. And uh, you just put AskTMLPC in the uh, in the header subject line and uh, ask away. So, uh, Dave, we actually got an email this week. What? That's a first. Somebody using the old-fashioned way to get a hold of us. Uh, Lee uh, would like to know. Um, he's got two questions. Uh, favorite holiday movies, cookies, and or beers? Ooh, okay. Um, favorite holiday movies? Um, well, there's several because I'm a, I'm a big fan of a lot of them. Uh, top three off the top of my head. Um, Scrooged, because it's Bill Murray. Um Christmas Vacation, and uh, of course Christmas Story, and then Cookies. Um, and I'm not as picky when it comes to that. I do like a good oatmeal raisin, which is divisive because a lot of people don't like raisins. And then uh, beer. Ooh, um, any kind of good, um, uh, either winter lager or uh, you know, like a darker lager or. Um, um, Maybe a good uh, breakfast stout, something like that. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, I like Scrooge a lot, too, and, and Christmas Story, of course. Uh, I like a very underrated Christmas movie known as Gremlins. I can't believe I forgot about Die Hard. <laughs> Die Hard also. There, I, I like this time of year because every year there's a big argument about whether it's a Christmas movie or a movie that just happens to take place at Christmas. And my response is, what's the difference? If it takes right. place at Christmas, it's still a Christmas movie. Um, so, yeah, you got that. You got the, the Home Alone and all that stuff. So uh, uh, I like all of those. But, uh, yeah, Gremlins is one I haven't seen in a while. I have to fire that one up at, at some point. It'll be interesting to see if it holds up. <laughs> it does not. I can tell you <laughs> right now that it will not, and especially the special effects will not. So No, definitely not. Uh, that might be due for a remake. Um Cookies, I, I you know, I'm a big, I, I like the traditional uh, chocolate chip. Always a big favorite. Um, mm -hmm. Big fan of a, of a freshly baked snickerdoodle. Okay. Uh -huh. And uh, there's these these ones that my wife has a recipe. My mom used to make. I don't even actually know what to call them. That they have this sort of, uh, they're sort of like, um, I don't even know, like a, almost like a sugar cookie, like like a drop almost with like a, an anise frosting on top. And I don't know what to call them, but my mom made them when I was a kid, and I love those things. They're kind of like more like a ball with. Um, like powdered frosting on them, or no, like a, like a, no, like okay. an like an icing. Oh, yeah, they're, huh. they're really right. really tasty. I like them a lot, and you know, just basically any Christmas cookies. You know, those the sugar cookies with the frosting and the the various sprinkles and patterns shaped and, like trees. And yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I like. I'm, you know, hey, if anybody's seen me, you know, I ain't turning down too many <laughs> cookies, uh, and also I'm not turning down too many beers. Uh, I do have a sp uh, favorite Christmas beer and that is uh, great lakes brewing makes a fantastic christmas ale and um okay. if it actually was available here in orlando for a short time uh, it may be available again i don't know you can check at total wine for that so mm -hmm. um but they rarely will you see an offering from great lakes down here um but they did make some special arrangements this year for a for a rare purchase uh and uh, you could get it at total wine i don't know if you still can but if you can go get some because it's good 
Uh, Lee also asked, why, oh, why did the team protect Rebus in the expansion draft? Is he really part of the club's plans in 2018 and beyond? I sure hope not. <laughs> um, I think we addressed this a little bit. Neither of us hope that he is. And we're simply hoping that it is uh, because there is a trade in the works that involves Carlos Rebus heading out of town to which Michael will drive him to the airport. Yes, I will put him on the plane, and in return, I will pick up uh, Lionel Messi and bring him back to <laughs> uh, to the club's uh, training facility in uh, Lake Mary. That's what I you heard it here first. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for your question, Lee. Appreciate that. Let's uh, let's turn our attention to the Twitters, Dave. Um, All right, we've got uh, one from Frank. Would like to know. Are you concerned this offseason has been very quiet so far in regards to signings and solid transfer rumors? Are you concerned, Dave? No, because that's just how we do things. Uh, I've, I'm, I'm used to it at this point. Um, it, it's one of those things that it's become, a, a, a once again, a running joke. Uh, in our Slack uh, chat, somebody said something about you know people complaining. I said, oh, don't worry. Uh, um you know, we won't do anything, and then all of a sudden, it'll come out of nowhere, and it will be somebody that we haven't ever heard of. And I fully expect that to happen. It always does. It always does. So, but no, I'm not worried. I mean, we we we're a lot of players weren't coming back, which means we have to get a lot of players. So it'll happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Nikki Budalich, the general manager, um, was brought in under when sort of when when Phil was acting as GM. So he's mm-hmm. probably, you know, he's, he's kind of patterned the same way. I mean, they kind of work the same way and then on their same schedule. And, you know, he doesn't rush things. He's very deliberate. And, you know, he makes the deals that he thinks will best benefit the club. I, I can't really argue with the last couple windows. He's done quite well as far as I'm concerned. So I, I'm not concerned either. This is just par for the course. That's all. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing to worry about here. Uh, we've got a question from Tanner. Tanner would like to know, Dave, if Orlando could sign any free agent, who do you think it should be? And I apologize because I was I meant to uh, to look up the free agents. I was going to say, catching me off guard a little bit. So why don't you take the first answer? Well, like I said, I, I was <laughs> going to look up, <laughs> but uh, I, I actually didn't get around to it. But I can tell you, um, you know, I, I'm pretty much okay with anybody that they bring in that they think is, is the right fit for Jason Christ's uh, uh, system, because really that's what you need is you need to get these guys that know his system, that understand it, that, that are suited for it. They have the right mentality for it. Um, and, you know, we, we don't know who that might be in a lot, in a lot of cases, but I think there's, I think that even if we were to speculate, like we said so many times, it's somebody that Jason knows about that we've never heard of. And then all of a sudden that they're here. Right now, if you're if you're looking at guys that are in MLS, um, you know, you know, it's it's hard to say. I mean, um, are there guys that can help the team? Sure. This team needs probably a little bit better left back than Donnie Toya. But is that Demarcus Beasley? Probably not. No. (laughs) Um. The guy I think uh, here's a guy I think could help is uh, is Drew Moore. I think Drew Moore would be a good addition to the team uh, mm-hmm. to to play alongside uh, of Jonathan Spector. Um, uh, other than that, I mean, you know, uh, Brad Evans is a name that kind of sticks out. He could probably help the club a little bit. Um, you know, other than that, I mean, there's just I mean, there's a reason these guys are free agents. It's not. 
right either on the downside of their career or they've been injury prone or whatever. I mean, you know, other guys, I think Chris Pontius is a guy who could maybe help this team. Uh, so if you're looking at just the MLS, if you're just talking about the MLS free agents, there's not many. Uh, there are a few, um, you know, but even like the fullbacks, the fullbacks are mostly right backs and we don't have a problem at right back. Like I think Sal Zizo can be a pretty decent player at times, but he's a right back. Same with uh, Beta Shore. Uh, yeah. But, um, well, I mean, then, you know, like Nick Ramondo's out there. Does anybody want Nick Ramondo instead of Bendick? Eh, probably not at this stage of his career. No. Um, you know, but, you know, like, again, a lot of these guys are going to be expensive because uh, they've been around for a while. They're going to want a little bit more money. Um, you know, a lot of the a lot of them are already really um, negotiating with their former clubs and they'll probably resign at some point. Guys like Andrew Jacobson, I think uh, he's a guy mm-hmm. who could help, but I think he's probably going to end up back in Vancouver. So who knows? Um, I don't know. I, I don't see a lot there, but I, I think no, there's not. I think we're going to bring in some guys, and I think one of them at least is going to be a DP number ten, and uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. So uh, anyway, I do appreciate the question, Tanner. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. There's just not a ton. There's not a ton of guys. No. Um, okay, Luis, our former colleague, Luis. Ah. Uh, he asked us last month, but he missed the he missed the window. He kind of I think he asked us the day after we recorded, maybe. Uh, what are your thoughts or opinions on the NISA league? You know, the new league. They're gonna have pro rel. I don't know how much you know about it, Dave. Um, well, um, not a ton. I'm whole pro rel thing is is interesting there's uh in theory i like it but there's the politics that would have to be overcome to make it work in this country are are substantial um so you know it, it, the lower leagues that we've had um are in flux you know with nasl you know fighting to to be relevant and and losing that battle and then um you know we see all the turmoil in, in usl so you know you're throwing another another one into that mix um i think if they can if they can figure out a way to to stabilize that if it's if it's the new nisl nasl goes away and it slots in there and then uh you know either above or below USL with some pro reg there. And if they can figure it out going all the way up to MLS, great. Do I see it happening anytime real soon? No, probably not. Yeah. I have to admit they're not really on my radar. I mean, they're, they're saying they're going to be a third division pro soccer league, eight to 12 markets in the U S uh, in spring of 2018 and working toward promotion relegation. My question is who they're going to promote and relegate with. I mean, yeah, uh, they have a, a. Do they have something in place with the USL? I don't know about. I, I not that I know of. Um, I don't. I'm not. I don't hate the idea of pro- promotion relegation. I'm just not. I'm not sold that you absolutely have to have it to be successful. Uh, and people like to say, well, you know, all the top, all the top uh, leagues across the world have it, and that might be true, but you know, all the not very good leagues around the world pretty much have it too. <laughs> so, um, it, you know, it, it's. It's so prevalent of a model in, especially in Europe and South America, that yeah, it's teams, you know, these leagues have it. But 
you know, some leagues are good and some leagues are not good for a reason. And I think that's just money. Um, yeah. I mean, and it's not even the league that's good. It's the top half of the league or the top four or five teams in most cases, uh, or in Germany's case, maybe the top two or three teams, um, you know, Bayern and everyone else, basically <laughs> it was, yeah. it's, it's, and you know, there's been years, I mean, like this year you could call, you could call the EPL a one team league for that matter. <laughs> Because right. no one's catching Man City unless they no. unless they run into a huge rash of key injuries. I don't see anyone catching them. So um, I don't know. I don't know that it makes the soccer better. I don't know that it makes the league better to have it. Uh, and certainly this is a discussion that we're not going to get done in just answering a mailbag. But um, uh, I'm interested to see how things unfold with uh, NISA. Luis, that's I guess that's what I can say is that I'm interested, but it's not really on my radar yet. Right. So we will see how it goes and, um, you know, whether or not they are able to get that off the ground. There's a lot that has to happen in the top flight here in this country to make it a promotion relegation friendly league. And um, the first thing, probably the first step to that is get rid of single entity, which I think is a a much more important step. Uh, anyway, right. That's my own personal opinion, but thanks for the question, Luis. Really appreciate it. Appreciate everybody who wrote in, uh, asking the mainland podcast, anything again, hit us up on Twitter at the mainland, uh, with the hashtag ask or use ask in your subject line and email us at the mainland at gmail.com. So Dave, I know you need to get going to star Wars, uh, you know, I would like to, but I just got word <laughs> that the theater broke, uh, and so uh, I was going with some friends, and they got there first, and so no, I'm actually not. I'm very depressed. Is that a real thing? The, that's the, a real. The, that's a real thing. The theater's really broken. The theater is broken, and that that particular room is broken. Um, so what? And of course, what are they doing for ticket holders? Are they just going to give you a rain check, or giving us yeah, giving us free passes, and then. Um, pretty well not going to be able to see it tonight because the next showing that has any seats is 1 a.m. <laughs> well, you know, you can sleep when you're dead. This is We're talking about the fate of, <sighs> talking about the, fate of the Last Jedi here. Well, the other problem is is that the, the people I was going to meet will have already left with my free passes, so I'm not going to be able to get them till tomorrow. Oh, well, I'm, I am sorry to hear that, uh, Dave, but... Um, Good that... news is, is we, can, we, we, can, we can wrap this up in, without being in a hurry. <laughs> All right. Well, all right. So before we go, Dave, I do want to shout out to the incredible play of Orlando Pride players that are playing abroad, most of them in Australia in the Westfield W League. Uh, and, of course, Monica is playing for Atletico Madrid mm-hmm. in, uh, in Spain. In fact, uh, Monica just had got her first goal with Atletico, and it was a game winner. And uh, that team is top of the table. So, um, you know, the Pride players are killing it in these other leagues and their, their so-called off season. Um, but the big surprise, obviously, you know, we're not, we're not surprised that Steph Catley or Alana Kennedy are playing well, that kind of thing. Uh, Tony Presley's playing very well also for Canberra United, but mm-hmm. of course the story of the off season for the pride has to be Rachel Hill's play, uh, with Perth glory. Yeah. I mean, six, uh, what, six games, seven goals. Yeah, she was player of the month for November for the entire league. She scored a hat trick in a game. She's 
uh, scored a brace in her first ever game uh, in Australia. She had an assist. She leads the entire league in shots and goals. Um, and this is a and woman, she plays with Sam Kerr. Yeah, she plays on a team with Sam Kerr now, so she's going to have more space, obviously. But the fact of the matter is, she's burying her shots, and that's something that um, Tom Sermani will be very, very uh, eager to see and very happy to see as uh, she returns, you know, for her second year in the NWSL. Of course, the the team uh, picked up the option on Rachel Hill. She'll be back next year, and for her to come back in form. Uh, can only help the team that's going to be without Camilla for the start of the season with her recovery from her ACL injury. And, um, you know, it would be really nice to hit the ground running this year because, you know, the first year, it's an expansion year. Your inaugural team, you're, you're trying to get everybody on the same page. Your second year, you have to start the season without Alex Morgan, with not didn't have Marta for a game and a half, and took her right. a few games to get to speed before she really started to contribute. So it, it's been two slow starts. If the Pride can get off to a quick start and then get Camilla back and play at the high level that they were playing at last year, um, this could be a team that could win the Supporter Shield and and maybe, you know, get to that championship. Yeah, and that would... Uh, well, I mean, you know, they almost did it last year. And so, uh, like you say, if they... Uh, if having these players play over there and, and be at that level when they get back, uh, it's only good stuff. I mean, we saw it with, uh, with Alex and, and once she got back her, her level of play. So I'm, I'm all for it. Absolutely. And it will be nice to see, you know, somebody take a little bit of the scoring punch away that, um, you know, so you maybe can't throw as many numbers at Alex Morgan because the Rachel Hill will still hurt you. That kind of thing. Sure. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens when the season starts. We expect uh, Tom Sermani will make a move or two. Uh, we are still waiting to uh, get confirmation that, um, you know, a few of the ladies are signing their contract offers. Those include uh, Kennedy and Catley both and uh, Chioma Bogagu. And, uh, she, I want to give a special shout out to because she wrote a really nice uh, private message to us on Twitter uh, about her uh, season in review, her final grade for the year. I wrote m- almost all of those for the Pride players because I think you and me were the only pl- only staff members that saw every Pride game. Right. <laughs> and um, you know we had uh, Scott Carnival saw three or four, I think maybe maybe a little, few more than that, and then Brandon Turton uh, saw a few as well. But um, she wrote that, you know, I mean, she said, wow. First of all, she started with wow, and then I didn't know where it was going to go from there. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she said, you guys were spot on with your with your analysis, and you backed it up with stats. It's clear to see that you guys don't just write what everybody else writes. You actually watch the game and understand it. And it was a really nice thing to hear. She, yeah. she said, she, you're so right. I need to, I need to work on my finishing and my consistency. So it was, it was really great to hear from Chi and it was really great validation that, um, you know, she took to heart what we said and said, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they were honest and they were, you know, they, they saw the flaws that, and I see the flaws that they saw and, and, you know, they, they saw the good things that I saw. So, um, you know, we're on the same page with her and, and it's good that she can, you know, as a player, it's, 
it's good that she can be honest about herself and say, yeah, they, they're, they're exactly right. This is what I need to work on. And, and I'm sure, you know, not that she needs validation from us. She's probably gotten it from Tom Sermani, who's a little <laughs> bit more credible, probably in her world. <laughs> probably. Yeah. But, but it, uh, it was nice to hear. And, and I was, I was very appreciative of that. It was very, um, uh, humbled by the, uh, the response because I've I don't know we've been doing player grades and stuff for a long time and that's the first time someone's actually replied to us and I was kind of bowled over by the response. Well, and I'm not surprised. I mean, we had her on the podcast and she was fantastic. So um, it doesn't surprise me at all that she would, um, you know, be able to to honestly look at herself that way. And but but you're right. It's it's nice that uh, I mean, hey, she she read it. That's good too. Absolutely. Well, I think we're going to wrap up this uh, episode number 111 of the Mainland Podcast. I want to thanks uh, thanks again to uh, Jonathan Spector and to the Orlando City Communications uh, Department for uh, setting that up. The fine folks there, Rafa, Jackie, Diogo, and uh, Lucas, you guys do great work. We really appreciate it. And um, we thank you for uh, getting us these great guests uh, when we when we ask always nicely, I might add. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, and of course, uh, Jackie Maynard on the pride side as well. So I don't want to exclude her. She's gotten us many good guests, including Chi Abogagoo. Um, so let's wrap it up, Dave. I want to say, uh, thank you to everybody who listened. Thanks to those who, uh, emailed us and sent us uh, questions on, um, Twitter for ask the mainland podcast. And I would like to encourage everybody to please uh, give us a five-star review, and we will read the review that you leave us. If you uh, you know if you write a review and you give us five stars, we'll read it. I, I actually ran into somebody at the College Cup who gave me my credentials, said he listens to us all the time. He's going to give us a five-star review, but he hasn't done it. So if you're out there listening, I, ain't, I don't see it. Give us our five-star <laughs> review. That's, Come on, man. If you like what we do, that is how we can reach uh, additional folks uh, by moving up in the uh, the rankings and all that stuff. So Help us out. Give us a five-star review uh, on iTunes, and we would appreciate it. We'll read it on the air. Also, uh, please read our stuff. We uh, we write it at themainland.com. And, uh, of course, Maine spelled like a lion's mane. And, uh, of course, uh, you can like us on Twitter and uh, follow us uh, on, or like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Or I guess it's like on Twitter now, isn't it, too? It's like on both, I think, now. Yeah, I think it is. So anyway, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Facebook. Uh, we're going to have some – very excited to say we're going to have some new stuff in our store. If you don't not familiar with our store, go to themainland.com. Uh, it's pinned to the front page. It's not all the way at the top. It's kind of uh, down a little bit, so you can uh, you can find our stuff. We're going to have some new shirts coming out uh, soon, and uh, we'll, when as soon as that happens, I'll, we'll have more news about that as well. So um, you can get yourself some Mainland gear. You can gear up. And, uh, and uh, proudly display that you uh, read our, our, our site. In fact, we're gonna, we're, that's the next thing. I have to get a Mainland Podcast one put together, Dave. Ooh. Yeah, Mainland Podcast needs its own shirt. Okay, yeah, we definitely need to work on that. <laughs> All right. Uh, again, uh, we will be back in January with our next update, unless there's something that requires us to jump in. And, of course, with the holidays coming up, that's probably not going to happen. But yeah, probably uh, we'll probably wait till after the holidays to give our, give you our next one. But yeah, we, we plan to have another good guest next month, and uh, we'll be at uh, episode 112 then. And we will, of course, be one month closer to the start of the 2018 MLS season. So 
Uh, on behalf of David Rowe, I'm Michael Citro, founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com, signing off the way I always do by saying, Go City! <laughs>